Markets. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and dry shot boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Today, my guest is Chip Nellinger, and Chip is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing in Morton, Illinois. And Chip, how are you doing this morning? Hey, doing well, Casey. Ready? Uh, I'm ready for the Fourth of July weekend. I'm. Uh, it's been a, a crazy couple of weeks in these markets, and a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, it has been. It's been a little nuts yesterday. Uh, last couple weeks, we kind of lost everything that we'd gained, and we got back down into the the teens again. Three, I think, three fifteen is where we maybe three twelve is kind of where we settled up there for a minute, and then it shot back up this morning. We're open back up here with the overnights uh, right around uh, three thirty. So we've gained most of that back, and we're at that 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 point again where either we're going to break through that that three thirty three three thirty five level and and see some things take off or we're going to go back the other way and um i guess we have a couple reports out today too you get the crop progress report and there's another one too and i slipped some on mine which one it is which one what's the other one acreage report that comes out today as well so i guess as you take a look at what's going on right now in the markets and then you got these two reports on top of that what's your uh what's your thought right now well Historically, you know, coming into the long holiday uh, weekend here, the Fourth of July, uh, things can get a little uh, more a little more volatile in the grain markets. Obviously, weather is a big part of this, um, and so you know, it, it has definitely increased the volatility. You know, there's been days uh, and even weeks past where corn, you know, put in a two two and a half cent daily range, and you know, maybe a six to eight cent weekly range, uh, just dead, nothing going on. Well, now we're seeing a lot more volatility. They just hammered this corn market last week. Uh, It was raining everywhere, supposedly. Um, You know, so Friday, they just crushed everything. Led by wheat, corn followed. Uh, They hit beans 20, 25 cents off the highs. And then you walk in Monday, and everyone realizes, um, hey, these funds have a near record short position uh, of probably north of 300,000 contracts of corn. And, oh, by the way, not everywhere got the rain. There were some really good rains around, but not everywhere. Probably just a touch less than expected. Guess what? Let's look at the two-week forecast. We got a lot of 90-plus degree temperatures out there. And uh, also, we've got, uh, like you mentioned, these these two reports coming out. Um, we've got uh, the quarterly stocks report, which is always volatile. We've got the acreage report. Um and as well as the end of the month today and end of a quarter and the funds decided hey let's get out of some of our uh, corn shorts books and profits and we've seen this spike higher you know we were uh, at 1.78 cents higher yesterday yeah. here in the overnight uh, tuesday morning ahead of these reports we've been about a nickel higher and uh, the funds are blowing out of some shorts and you're starting to see that uh, reflected in price action and and now the weather does matter um so no markets friday we've got a long weekend that always makes people a little bit nervous this time of year because a lot of times you can uh, have big 180 degree 
shifts in you know the forecast. <clears throat> so we're coming into a time frame here, going into the end of this week, first part of next week, with a new month and a new quarter coming um, to see, hey, a, what's the weather going to do? Um, you know, are we going to go into this hot dry pattern and start stressing things, or are we going to see some uh, you know consistent rainfall, even though it's going to be on the hot side? And then the funds, a lot of times, kind of the last three or four trading sessions of a, of a month or quarter and the first three to five trading sessions of a new month and quarter, uh, oftentimes, um, you know, use that time frame to make some big moves. And so are they going to be on the buy side in corn uh, starting the month of July out, particularly as you get in next week, it's going to be really interesting. So throw all that in the pot here. In a couple hours, we're going to have some more to, to throw in there, Casey, with these reports coming out at 11 a.m. Central. So it's going to get uh, really, really interesting going into the weekend here. Yep. Okay, so let's jump over and talk about this quarterly uh, stock report. What the USDA is expecting to trim corn plane by about 1.8 million bushels from the March intention to 95.27 million acres. But they're looking like there's more soybeans that got planted, uh, about 1.2 million more from what they saw in March, up to 84.7 million acres. So as that starts hitting the uh, hitting the wire, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? How much do you think that's going to have an effect on the overall corn market? Because people are still, I mean, here's another article down here talking about, uh, you know, guys are sticking to their guns at this 179.5 bushel per acre average. Um you know, because there's not a quote-unquote enough dryness yet to, to get anything started. Um, the thing about the weather patterns and this acreage thing that we see happening here, um, we get the we get the rains just in time, right? It, it's if if there were, this last batch of rain that we got was uh, a week or two, you know, anywhere a week to five day a week to ten days later than than what we got it with, there would have been a serious issue with the crop. But now we're, we've got that rain, we're kind of back in a decent position again. So I guess we're, we're just kind of hanging by a thread here over and over again. So I guess as you look at weather patterns that you've seen happening and then this acreage report coming out, which uh, you, you expect to see some moves today, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think it's entirely possible. I, I Honestly, I think the stocks probably matter more than the acreage. Um, I think the market expects and has digested, uh, you know, million and a half uh, or more fewer corn acres in about the same uh, increase in bean acres. I think that's kind of expected. But what's really hard to peg is, is the quarterly stocks numbers. <clears throat> you know, obviously there's an average estimate out there. And if, if it's uh, wildly one way or the other from uh, those uh, estimates, that could definitely have an effect on prices today. I think, though, it's more about what are these funds going to do? And, you know, they, they dictate uh, in the short run. If they just decided, hey, we've been short corn for the better part of uh, 12 months now. We've made a lot of money. And uh, we've got the uncertainty of, of uh, yields coming out here in the rest of the growing season. It's time to be out of corn. You could have a rally even with some bearish weather. Now, it might be very short-lived. Um, so... To answer your question, yeah, I, I think you throw all that into the mix here, and, and it's just going to be a really interesting end to the week um, ahead of a long weekend that always makes people stressed out because, um, you know, of that potential for a big shift in the forecast one way or the other from Thursday uh, afternoon. And by the way, there's an early close Thursday in our markets. I believe 12.05 Central is when the grains close Thursday. 
no markets uh, Friday and then not again until Sunday night. So that's a long time to be sitting there with no markets um, in mid-July when the weather really matters. So when it, when it boils down to it, you know, I think Sunday night and Monday are going to be really interesting based on what the new forecasts say and what the attitude and the, the direction the funds are going to take. Are they, is this a two-day wonder and now they're going to go right back and put these shorts back on uh, first of next week? Or is this the trend and they're going to liquidate the bulk of their position, which could run us, uh, run us higher? So uh, you're going to see a, a lot choppier trade i believe than than what we've seen uh for uh you know at least the last uh, six or eight weeks in here yep all right so so the other thing i've been watching here too is is what's going on in china and i read a thing on twitter last night so it's obviously true um that i can't remember who it was. i think it was bbc had it they were talking about a uh, a new pandemic that could be uh from in china that could be coming from uh pigs that could uh mutate to infect humans as well um so it's the gift that keeps on giving there i guess um as you take a look at what's going on with the coronavirus and what we see happening with china you know they just stopped china just stopped getting beef from brazil or meat from brazil based on their concerns about the coronavirus and what they see there as well um so it's going to have to start buying beef some some other place and pork from other places you know they've been buying pork from the u.s for quite a while here but Man, I guess as you take a look at this, uh, it really feels like there's that opportunity for the U.S. beef producer to really kind of start, and pork producer to start shoveling some more into China there. Yeah, this this China thing is is really a difficult situation, uh, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. You know, on the one hand, we've got this uh, this trade agreement that uh, is is supposedly on. Um, on the other hand, though. You know, what is, uh, the, when the rubber meets the road is, are they actually taking the, our products? And, you know, they have been, but it's just been barely enough um, kind of token amounts, if you will. Yeah. And uh, li like you mentioned, the opportunity is there to really expand beef and pork trade. Uh, but on, the, on that side of the equation, they've slowed down a little bit here uh, recently. So... You know, that's, uh, that's something that's really going to be um, watched closely going forward is the, the pace of the, the exports. And it just seems like you wake up every morning and there's more and more uh, escalation and talk back and forth on what uh, is, is going on with China and the United States on many fronts. You know, Hong Kong trade, uh, you know, the handling of this uh, virus issue. Um, all kinds of problems we have out there and disagreements. And uh, to me, I don't want to be too pessimistic. It feels like they're doing just enough to get through the election to see who's going to win this oh, election. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, who, who, if it's Biden, they're going to be right back just, you know, eating our lunch and lying, cheating, stealing like they always have been. And if it's Trump, I think he's going to give him about uh, 48 hours and says, let's let's ramp this up. You prove it to me. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to put tariffs on everything again, and they're going to last until I'm not in here anymore uh, or you shape up. So, right. you know, the market, eventually, though, the problem is, <clears throat> like on beans, for example, 
they've been a pretty good buyer here the last few weeks. They've been a, a little quiet for the last week or so, but they're no nowhere near the pace they need to be to hit the numbers uh, that are you know part of this phase one trade deal. So you can only do that for so long. This is a time frame where we need to be really seeing some massive bean exports. And the you know we're we're now almost into July. If this limps along till August, eventually they're going to have to start decreasing the export demand pace on beans. And all that does is just go right to the bottom line and increase your, your ending stocks. And if the rains continue and we have a big bean crop, you know, all of a sudden that's not a good combination. So right. I'm a little, little concerned with uh, the pace of things, um, you know, as far as what their, uh, the, the do to say ratio, you know, that's the old, the old saying, uh, you, you can say all you want, but what are you doing? Right. This just kind of reminds me of what I used to do when I was in junior high, where I was always in between girlfriends on major holidays, you know, so I didn't have to bring the flowers on Valentine's Day or get the gift on Christmas. You know what I mean? I did just enough to, to do up to then. And this is exactly what that feels like. I mean, any time that they can go get something cheap out of Brazil, China turns around and goes and does that. Um, and they, they're going to continue to get stuff cheap out of Brazil because the real continues to have its difficulties and devaluations and everything else that comes up with that same thing in, in Argentina. So, I mean, there's always going to be that, you know, as long as the U.S. dollar stays as strong as it is, we're going to have a hard time competing with other countries when it comes to, um, to exports. And I'm not saying I want the dollar to, to go down in value or anything like that, but it's just there's nothing in there that says you have to come buy it from us or else. You know what I mean? And, and the word else is we're just going to go back to beating each other over the head with tariffs. And that doesn't help anybody. So I just, I don't really feel like there's a lot of substance here that, that, you know, other than I promise to do this. And that's really about what it comes down to. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and that's right. And, and part of the problem here is that although we've had a little bit of a correction in our favor with the Brazilian currency, it's still makes them very competitive in the world and, and cheaper than us. And they're, they're starting to harvest uh, what appears to be an okay second corn crop down there. They supposedly still have some beans, uh, you know, for export. And that's why our window is small. You know, by the time we get to, um, you know, basically right after harvest, say about December, January, our window starts closing and it opens up down there again. And their currency isn't going to make them plant any fewer acres down there. They're going right. to plant every acre they can because they're making uh, a lot of money down there. Yep. Yep. That's the only real currency they have right now, value. It's the, it's the crop they pull out of that field. So, yeah, it's, it's going to continue to do the exact same thing they've been doing. I did find that article, the G4, keeping an eye on the G4 and hogs. And it's a, it is a strain of H1N1 that affects Chinese pigs that has become uh, more infectious to humans and should be mentioned because it has all the hallmarks of a candidate of a pandemic virus. So that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that we can keep getting these, these gifts from China that keep on giving. Holy crap, man. This is, this. Oh, I guess, when you take a look what's going on in the hog market and then you throw this kind of on top of it with the in the in the chinese pig market and then you throw on um african swine fever on top of that it kind of feels like to me they need to start over and just and just get a whole new herd in china well 
<laughs> it sounds like they're trying. Um, <laughs> they can't keep him alive is the problem. <clears throat> but um, I think they're I think they're trying to do that. And uh, yeah, they they obviously have problems over there. Yeah. And you know, I, I I saw that story yesterday as well. It's just it's hard to know what uh, what's what out uh, over there, I guess, and what's real and. You know, I think that's one of the most frustrating things to me is this situation. No matter what what side of the aisle you're on, <clears throat> everything's political now, and you don't know what to believe anymore. You know, yeah. you know, st- stories get put out for uh, you know a reason and a purpose, and more times than not, and you know, to support a you know a, a movement or or one side or the other, and. You just—it's hard to know what to believe anymore. Yeah, it is. It is, isn't it? I mean, isn't that just the? I mean, I've got to watch three different news channels and read two different newspapers to really kind of get the truth of what of what's actually going on. No one's lying to you. They just leave out the pertinent details that would make you see the whole picture. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And you just. Uh, yeah, you just don't know anymore. Uh, even you know yep. that might have been there for a long time, and you know, you know, you, you never know. It's very frustrating. Yep. It's very frustrating. I just like to fast forward to November, get this election out of the way, and get this year out of the way, and you know, hopefully, we can get to something that's more normal than what 2020 has been so far. Yep. All right, let's jump over and talk about ethanol real quick, and we'll close this thing down. Ethanol has been on the rise since uh, they've reopened the country back up, and now we've got kind of a battle brewing in the corn states uh, with the EPA and and the RFS gap uh, um, waivers and those kind of things. I guess as you take a look at what's going on with ethanol and how that is going to really affect the overall stocks in corn right now, because all the stocks we had laying around were left over because we weren't producing ethanol for about 60 days. So I guess as you take a look at the overall ethanol and how that reflects to corn stocks, what's your feeling there and kind of what's, your, what's the vibe that you're getting from, from the market about that? Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I think there's some enthusiasm that some of these plants have come back online a lot quicker than anyone expected. Um, there's plants out there that are, you know, have opened. They're kind of competitive with their bids. <clears throat> the, um, you know, as the market, uh, uh, so the, the country kind of rushed back and reopened, uh, I think there's some enthusiasm for people getting out of their house. They've been locked up for three months, uh, hitting the road. They're not, they don't want to fly anywhere, but they'll, they'll drive to a lot of places and take the family somewhere and, uh, you know, get away from home for a little while. And so I think gasoline usage has really rebounded. That's, that's drug uh, ethanol usage up a lot faster than I think a lot of people expected. We're still not back to normal, um, but we're definitely headed that way. And, um, and I think that's a good sign because I think it's a lot quicker than anyone expected. So that, that's maybe one bright spot that maybe we won't take as big a hit on the ethanol demand side as maybe what it looked like uh, two, two and a half months ago when everything was was shut down. Obviously, now we're you know, fighting some potential, uh, you know, kind of closures again in, uh, you know, California and maybe parts of Texas. And so, you know, there's always two sides to every story, I guess. But uh, so far, 
the trend for the last few weeks on ethanol demand and usage uh, has been pretty sharply upwards and expanding every week. And so uh, we'll get that report out tomorrow. That's closely watched every Wednesday when those reports come out. But uh, that's so far a good, a good development in my mind. Uh, and our exports have been pretty decent. And then after today's report, the quarterly stocks number, that's where you get a little better feel for, you know, where can we start zeroing in the feed demand side? That's always the biggest unknown. And that's um, why these quarterly stocks are, are so important, uh, these quarterly stocks reports, is it gives you a, uh, you can kind of back into what the last quarter's feed demand was. And uh, so that's, uh, we'll get a little, little better piece of the, that puzzle here in about uh, three, two and a half hours, I guess. And, uh, but the ethanol side definitely has, uh, has come back nicely and still well under, you know, our normal pace. Right. But, uh, boy, it's a lot better than it used to be. That's for sure. It's better than zero. That's for damn sure. So, all right, man. Well, good stuff, Chip. If folks want to reach out to you, pick your brain about what's going on, or maybe just work on a plan that they're, uh, they're looking at right now, because as you say, things are, are changing day to day here. Uh, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just give us a call uh, at the office. It's 309-550-7213. Right on, man. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with uh, Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find all the latest podcasts when they come out. Also, all the blogs that I post. Make sure you check out movingironllc.com for all the latest information about the Moving Iron Summit, September 1 through 3 in Nashville, Tennessee, at the Renaissance Hotel right downtown there on, uh, on Lower Broadway. Also, uh, check out the Global Ag Network and the great podcasters there talking about everything there is to do with ag. So until next time, I am Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's come move some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again through the years you'll find us here moving higher